the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello, welcome back to Pat Trek. This is a show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winninger, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. Yeah, and I've seen it a ton of times. And you know what? This episode's pretty good. It was all right. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Not as good as last week's. No. no. Last week's was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty great. Brian Sebi is with us again today. Yeah. Hey, man. Hi, Pat. back. Hey. Glad to be back. First repeat guest. How does it feel? I, I feel very special. Yeah, you should. It's it's been kind of fun because I've, I've been listening to the podcast now. Thank you. I think when I when I was here the first time, you hadn't actually published yet, or at least maybe the first one had yeah, come out. Yeah. And so it's it's going to be back because there have been several times in my car where I've been listening to it, and I've wanted to be like, oh no no no, Pat, it's totally different. Oh no, <laughs> or oh, something. Man. And I want to respond back to you, but Feel I can't do that to a podcast. Yell at us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's can, what all the other fans have been doing. I don't yeah. want to yell at you. It's more I just want to. <laughs> I, I, I want to be part of the conversation. I'm yeah, glad oh, I could I do that today. That. I was recently told on Twitter that I spoil too much. Oh yeah, the, so I should. I got to be careful on the spoilers. Yeah, I, like and, for Star Trek. Yeah, I guess it aired twenty some years ago. Yeah, I, I think you're okay. That's what I was saying, and like part of that is my fault because I, I made it very clear at the beginning of the show that I, I really don't care about spoilers. Yeah, I mean, I have still yet to start watching Game of Thrones, and yet I know all the spoilers, yeah, including like yeah. everyone going nuts last week, which I yeah. won't say anything further about because... I, and I think that they were like worried on my behalf that like it would be more fun for me to be surprised by stuff, but like A, it's a 25-year-old show, and B... I really like it. It makes no difference to me personally whether something is spoiled. Yeah, and I'm just trying to tease it. Yeah, I'm just trying to get you excited. Especially, I found on the episodes that I didn't feel like it was a great representation of Star Trek. I'm defending it with future episodes, mm -hmm. right? Which leads to some spoilers. I get it. I appreciate. I, yeah, it, I, I, I totally understand. I get it. Uh, anyway, we should get into this episode and spoil it for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> this is coming of age. Yeah. I uh, found this really funny thing on Memory Alpha that I had to read, and because I know how much you love Wesley Crusher. Um, yeah, not really. <laughs> there was a scene cut for time that showed Wesley and the whole bridge crew celebrating his 16th birthday. Uh, <laughs> huh? But he said it was cool. a month away. Yeah, well, they changed it, apparently. Oh, okay. How cool would that have been? Little Wesley getting a birthday cake. Getting to drive. Yeah. <laughs> well, he already gets to drive the ship. Yeah, yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. They did already let a 16-year-old... 15-year-old. 15-year-old <laughs> pilot, you know, the most powerful starship in the fleet. Hey, but if you live in the country, you can drive a combine yeah. when you're 14, 15. So. Oh, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. <laughs> and, and the traveler did point out how, you know, he has so much evolved beyond everyone else. Yeah. And we see a glimpse of that today in this mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. So if you're 15, according to Starfleet rules, uh, you can either... Pilot, uh, the most powerful star. It's a warship too. Uh, it has weapons, and I know we've had that argument yes. before. It's uh, not a warship. It's or you could drive a tractor that harvests turnips. Hey. Either one of those things <laughs> are available to you at 15 years old. 
truly, this is a utopia. Hey, it sure is. Anyway, should we get into Patrick's Lock? Yeah. So this episode aired March 14th, 1988. Uh, this was what was going on that week. I'm looking at the New York Times Weekly News Summary. Uh, a Soviet progressive income tax to curb the growing wealth of private business ventures is being prepared by Mikhail S. Gorbachev. Uh, announced in, he announced comments to workers at a Moscow ball-bearing factory. So that, that's what was going on. <laughs> Perestroika in 1988. Also, the uh, political primaries were going on, and the Democrats are not much closer to identifying an electable candidate. Michael S. Dukakis and Senator Albert Gore Jr. seem the most likely to be nominated, but an enormous number of questions remain to be answered. Um, wow. Dukakis ended up nominated, of course, did not right. win. Right. So uh, they were right. There was no electable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if only he had burnished his military credentials and, like, rode in a tank or something. If only he didn't put that helmet on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's what was going on that week. Oh, awesome. Well, let's get into the episode then. Yeah. Uh, so this one, as I think we established, was a Wesley-heavy episode. Yeah, very Wesley-heavy. Which I was worried about, honestly, because I think anyone that's listened to this show knows how I feel about Wesley. I'm not the biggest fan, mm-hmm. but it was okay. What are your views on Wesley now? Um, so it's hard to, to really, like... In retrospect, no, remember how I did at the time? Because at the time when I was watching it, I was his age, and I really liked it because he was the kid that was me on the Enterprise. And now Will Wheaton is such a, a cool guy, you know, in person. Yeah. I've, I've met him a couple times, different events, oh, and neat. just his social media and his geek advocacy. So he's generally just grown to be like one of the, I think, just most stable and, you know, just well rounded child actors. And so I have a hard time really like getting into that mindset of, of really hating Wesley Crusher because, you know, at the time I was I was a member of the uh, group on the the Star Trek mailing list that that put in our signatures. Not afraid to admit I like Wesley Crusher. Oh wow, wow, <laughs> man, wow, it goes yeah. way back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what it is for me is that I understand why he's there, but I don't like that he's good at everything he does. It just makes no sense. Well, I don't like that he gets made an officer. But the reason I like this episode okay is because we're starting to see that, yeah, he has flaws too. Yeah. And they're starting to flesh out the character a little more. Yeah. So that I like. Uh, when he was like this kind of Pollyanna character that, you know, could do anything and was the best at everything. Like the episode where the Pollywater uh, infected everyone's minds and, you know, he was this genius that saved the ship, even though he was drunk out of his mind. <laughs> I didn't like that episode. I didn't like that Wesley Crusher. This one, the one that is clearly a 16-year-old kid with, like, a lot of hang-ups that a 16-year-old kid would have. Yeah, I yeah. like when it's portrayed that way. And I think especially in the first season, he had a lot more of the sort of Mary Sue qualities. Just yeah. Because... Gene Roddenberry had such a much bigger influence in the first season than any other future season. And, oh, was and that his fault? Well, oh, totally yeah, his fault. Wesley, yeah, Wesley was very much a, a Gene Roddenberry's, like, vessel for, for himself, kind of, in the show, too. Oh, boy. And, I, I mean, he and, he and Will Wheaton, I guess, had a really great relationship, and I, right. I just, I, I like that, you know, because uh, after the season, the, the Roddenberry influence really starts to decrease, which... In some ways, to the show's detriment, but in, unfortunately, a lot of other ways, you know, the show got better when they got yeah. past some of those things. Yeah, but, there's yeah. not much like conflict. 
Right. That was that was season. his huge thing that yeah. they they Which fixed. You need to tell a compelling narrative. Well, there's conflict in this episode. So yeah, there is. There's quite a bit of human on human conflict. Let's let's get started. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the episode starts where uh, Wes is. Um, he meets his friend Jake in the hallway, and Jake had like just taken the entrance exam to Starfleet Academy, and he was like just shy of making it. He failed, and he's very upset about it. Yeah, hey, some people, you know, they dream of joining the Academy their whole lives. So the Academy is a big deal, right? It's like yeah, West Point or something? Deal. Yeah. All right. That's going to come up later. But the other thing that's important is Wes is about to take it, too. So they're on uh, in orbit of this desert planet where he's going to... I don't know why they take the exam in the middle of nowhere, but... They had a star base in the planet, it looked like, or a oh, okay. an outpost of some sort. All yeah. right. So there are multiple places where people are taking these exams. They There's have not to. just one. Oh, okay. They have to, or their entrance levels would be so low. Oh, yeah. If they're, if they're always quizzing five people taking one, and they can only do one at a time okay. in one location. So there, yeah, there are multiple places where they take They them. have to be. This yeah. is just yeah. some outpost. This is the, the relevant six outpost, I believe. Oh, yep. Yeah. yep maybe you're seven. Right. Relevant seven. Yeah, you're right. So they send Wesley down there to like take his... Uh, ACT test or whatever, and immediately they trade places. It looks like they just trade with this Admiral, uh, Admiral Quinn, right, and Commander Remick, who need to like speak with Picard immediately. Mm-hmm. So something is up, and just Picard, and yeah, alone yeah, cannot talk to Riker with him, yeah. which is against uh, normal protocol. Oh yeah. yeah, and and Picard was excited they were coming because Quinn was one of his old friends. But yeah. then as soon as he gets on board, he is total business, yeah, so. all business. Yeah, so they take him aside and they tell him that, like, hey, man, we got to conduct an investigation on this ship. Remick's in charge. Just keep doing what you're doing, but don't, like, don't hide anything from him. And they won't tell him what's wrong. Yeah. They can't. So they just, all that they say is that they feel that something is wrong with the ship and he needs to cooperate fully with the investigation. Yeah, and they have to find what's wrong at all costs. Right. Which I think is a really funny approach to investigating. It is. <laughs> because they're pretty much telling him, like, dude, you're in trouble. We can't tell you why yeah. or what you did wrong. They're not even, yeah, they're not even coy about the fact that he is in trouble. Though. Right. It, yeah. Well, having having been a part of, of some government audits myself just for, for work, oh, it, yeah. it is kind of that weird thing where these people come in and you're like, these people are... are, are trying to find something. What are they trying to find? And, and you do get a little bit paranoid, I think. Oh, you know? yeah, that kind of makes sense. I, um, I know a guy who works at a meatpacking uh, plant, and he was telling me about like it getting audited. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like, well, uh, it is very important that chicken isn't contaminated. <laughs> so you kind of, it's like, you're not in trouble, but you kind of are in trouble because like sometimes these places get shut down. Right. So it's kind of like the health inspector showing up, basically. Right, totally. Yeah, he's Starfleet Inspector General. Yeah. So back on the planet, Relva, uh, Relva Seven, Wes is in some like testing facility, and he's messing around with like this uh, calculator-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And this girl comes in, and uh, her name is Oliana, and you know she introduces herself. Uh, Seems like there's some kind of chemistry between her and Wes. Uh, yeah, she was flirting pretty hard with him, I thought. Was, and he yeah, was right just away. kind of ignoring it. Yeah. yeah. He's a 16-year-old boy. He doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. Uh, he was clearly intimidated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we see a Vulcan, I think, for the first time mm-hmm. in this in TNG. 
Is that the first Vulcan? I think it may have been. It may be. I feel like yeah. this is the first time I've seen a Vulcan like speak in this show. Yeah, so Tashanik, a Vulcan, and then a guy who's like got this thing on his chest where he's vaping out of. Uh, uh, apparently, he's a Benzite. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Mordok. And Wes has like heard of this guy before. He did some like maneuver that he's famous for. Yeah. But he's just a candidate now. He's like, no, I'm just like you. We're I have, he's not even in the academy, and he's got some strategy named after him. Yeah, I, was, I thought it was kind of funny where, where the girl was kind of like, you know, flirting with Wesley, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, let me go talk to this guy. Right, yeah. Oh, wait, you're the Mordock? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go talk to this vaping dude. Yeah, uh, instead of these two girls who are talking to me and we're in the middle of a pleasant conversation. Right. Uh, oh, Wesley. So I thought that was really interesting that, like, oh, the Academy is apparently really difficult to get into. Yeah, it is. But Picard went in there. I assume all the officers went there. Yeah, that's right? why they're the officers. Okay, so... I mean, we're seeing the top tier on the top ship in the entire Federation. Oh, that makes sense. So they're sense. all graduates. So, yeah. but, like, or the enlisted people probably didn't go, right? No, I wouldn't imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, I think people, like, you know, because later on we have Chief O'Brien, you know, who's an enlisted, you know, person, so, you know, he definitely has background and stuff, but I don't think he went to Starfleet Academy. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, my grandpa was in the Navy, and he was, like, a gunner's mate, but he only got that position because he could fit in the seat because he was so skinny. <laughs> and that was, like I guess, like how people got promoted. Yeah, I'm sure. But all the officers like went to college. Right, right. So it is like Gene Rodberry's in the Navy, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it seems like it's kind of based on it's like, oh, yeah, there's an officer class. They're all educated uh, at this top institution. Everyone else, though, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know. They, yeah, they're enlisted. They just got a job. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like O'Brien acts like it's a job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm so in my head about spoiling now. Oh, okay. Uh, O'Brien's great. He is great. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw him once so far. Well, he, oh, he yeah. gets on there more, and then eventually get a lot more of him when you get when you start watching DS9. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. He's a he's a crossover character. Yeah. 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 So anyway, what this established for me was, oh, the academy is really really tough to get into. It's like getting into MIT or something. What we know is that only one of these five people is going to get in in this episode. So it's a high stakes test. And speaking of high stakes stuff, uh, Remick is on the bridge and he's just like walking past everyone, <laughs> like entering stuff into the speak and spell looking yeah. thing. Being and, very intimidating. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. It's like, dude, I can't. You're looking over my shoulder. Right. This is impossible. And he's being a real piece of shit to yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, he is being a real heel right now. Yeah. So Riker tries. I like it. I No, it's great. I love it. And it does, and it helps that he looks like Fraser's little brother too. <laughs> so he just is a real twit, and and Riker hates Riker him. hates it. He takes okay. it like he goes to uh, the captain's ready room, and he's doing like the angry lean, but it's oh, on yeah. his tiny ass desk chair, <laughs> and so it doesn't look intimidating at all. Oh, that desk chair is awesome in this episode. Oh, it, Later it, it when gets, he kicks his leg over, oh it, man, oh. it rules. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like, man, Captain, you better tell me what's going on here. And the Captain's like, look, I know just as much as you do. Yeah, We just have to listen to this guy and put up with him for a little while. It's our job to comply completely with this investigation. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, this was actually one scene where, where usually I, I like Jonathan Frakes' acting, but he was, I thought it was a, a little, little bit much. stilted there. Because oh, he even said, like, this is very frustrating, and in about that inflection. Yeah. yeah. And, he, just, and he went from nothing to super angry at Picard in no time. Yeah. Where you're kind of like, hey, 
you guys got a good relationship at this point. Be like, yo, dude, what's up? You know, right. catch some more bees with honey than vinegar. Yeah. Like, even if Picard knew anything, you're like yelling at the guy within one second. <laughs> yeah. So, right- and they missed a great opportunity at a joke because he asked for permission to speak frankly. He, they should have gotten permission to speak Jonathan Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Franksley. Yeah. They should have definitely written that into this episode. I just couldn't. While watching it, I'm like, oh, they missed a great opportunity. Uh, yeah, that would have been a great thing for them to break the fourth wall in Star Trek. Especially since his name is not actually Frank either. Yeah, no. it's Frakes. Right? Yeah, no, but uh, okay, Franksley. I don't know. I thought it was it was funny. <laughs> it's hard to say. That's why permission they didn't to do speak it. frankly, Pat. That would have sucked. Anyway. Uh, Remick is like trying to talk to Riker. Riker's like, "No, I got stuff to do." Blah blah blah. And then back down on the planet, the candidates are like, they're all at these terminals, and I guess they they have to they get a trick question about like fuel ratios or something, mm-hmm. and everyone but Oleana gets it. Yeah, because uh, she ran out of time, and she has this back and forth with Wes. It's like, you know, you know, you and Mordock, it's so easy for you. It comes so easily, and Wes is like, "No, I have to study all the time. Like, it's really hard." And she makes some comment that's like, you know, you're lucky you're so cute, Wes, because you could be real obnoxious. And then Wes is like really caught up on that he got called cute, but completely missed that she called him obnoxious, yep. too. <laughs> and Mordock's just like, uh, yeah, I get, was that a compliment, Wes? Do you think that that was a compliment? So he's like caught up on this girl, uh-huh. who, by the way, does not play very much of a role in this episode at no, all. No, she's just like a, a partial love interest who's struggling. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just, there's like a foil to Wes. Yeah. I kind of wish they would have done more with this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think we ever see her again either. No, so. she's gone forever. But. Yeah. So uh, back on the ship, Riker is like apologizing to Picard. He's like, hey, man, you know, sorry, I... Spoke Jonathan Frakesley to you earlier. <laughs> See, it's great. And it's so good. Uh, he gets like he's finally starting to cooperate with Remick, and this is when he goes to the, to the ready room. Yeah, Remick's like Riker, I need to speak with you alone. So they just go to the ready room. Yeah, they use the it's captain's like, office. Like, there's a conference room on the other side of the yeah. bridge. It's a but... it's a total power move by Remick. Oh, he's like, totally. Because he's in charge of the ship, and he just uses Picard's right. office as, like, a base of operations. And this is where uh, Picard tries, I mean, Riker tries to do his own power move oh, yeah. by sweeping his leg <laughs> over the tiny-ass chair uh, oh, yeah. when he it sits down. It is a power move. <laughs> it's so... Well, at first, he's just standing there, and he's like, right. the questions are going to take just as long whether or not you see Yeah, is he going to do his angry lean? Or no. Or is he going to, no, he's going to sweep the chair. <laughs> and that's one of those things that, as a kid, I never picked up on. No. But a couple of years ago, there's a YouTube video of, like, Riker, Riker sitting, sitting like weird. Yeah. yeah, and just, like, a montage of him sitting down with his, putting his leg over the chair, and I'm like, wow, he sits like a weirdo. Yeah. yeah I think he does that several times where he's, when he's at, um, oh, shoot. 10 forward? Yeah, or? 10 forward when he's co- going up for a drink or whatever. He does this cool kick flip type thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, that's what, sometimes it's intimidating, and then sometimes, sometimes it's just like flirty. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's is trying he, to like. Is he trying like, to flirt, flirt with Remick? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Hey, we all got our moves. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Remick is basically he brings up the reason that he's here is that there's something weird going on in the ship's logs, and there's this whole sequence where like he goes to LaForge in engineering. He's like, "Hey, uh, it's pretty weird that." You had this crazy guy, Kaczynski, on the ship and, like, some interdimensional being, and the captain 
took the ship to the edge of the universe. You remember when that happened? That's pretty weird, right? And I was watching, it's like, yeah, that was pretty weird that this <laughs> happened. I'm starting to understand why there's an investigation. Yeah, they keep getting into trouble right. in every episode. But, like, the other thing is, the Starfleet ordered Kaczynski yeah. to go on this vessel and mess with the engine. They were following Starfleet orders. Yeah. It was Starfleet that got them into that mess, and now they're suddenly responsible for it. And if they hadn't, they would never have known that space, time, and thought are all, all the thing. same. All one thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, one thing I thought was interesting, though, was this is I think one of the the first times we really see Jordy taking a much stronger engineering role. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he's still wearing the red uniform, you know, for for operations. Right. Uh, or no, so for command. Uh, for officer, but yeah. but you know, he's. I think they're moving him, to realizing like, hey, you know, he could be more of this this engineering type role. Yeah. yeah. Which, which he's which great do. at. He's yeah. so good at it. And he seems so much in his element when he's there. You also uh, hear a lot from Worf in this episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's something we, he's uh, got we some lines. often talked about is how he's got one or two lines in every episode. This one, he's got a good 14, yeah. 20. Yeah, so there's a couple other like incidents they bring up. like the um, They questioned Troy about the, the Ferengi episode yep. where he got controlled by a mind sphere thing or whatever. She brings up this, like, yeah, yeah you know, it was, he was being mind controlled, and he's like, I consider that a lapse of judgment or yeah. something. And so Remick is pouring over all of the episodes. They but. did bring up how they violated the Prime Directive. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah. And Brian, before we started recording, you said you had a couple of pointers on the Prime Directive for us. Yeah. So I actually, because you, you had, you know, talked about on different podcasts, I was actually doing some research with, between uh, Memory Alpha, which is a really great Star Trek wiki. And just some other back, background information. And sort of the, the main takeaway, I think, is that there are actually two prime directives in the sense that in the original... Dual, s- pr- <laughs> well, dual it's not so much... It's, it's the same prime directive, but the, it's changed. The prime directive and then the slightly less prime directive. <laughs> was in the original series, you know, they brought up this no interfering with pre-warp civilizations. Right. And the thing that I hadn't quite caught until I was reading other stuff is that for TNG, Roddenberry actually changed it to just... The Federation and Starfleet doesn't interfere with non-Federation races in their internal politics. Oh, so not only the pre- so the pre-warp are still included in that, but it also even includes like the Klingons, where you know they're not members of the Federation, and so we really shouldn't be interfering with their internal politics. Oh, and it's presented more as like a oh, a sort of sense. philosophy rather than a set of rules. Yeah, so I think. Memory Alpha said, like, there are 47 sub-paragraphs sub or something for this thing, which they've never done on, on screen or anything. Right, that would be awful. And, <laughs> and it's also, it's not like a, a, this is the one thing you break, and then you're, you're, you're in trouble. There's apparently, like, levels of it where, after your report, you're both like, yeah, we violated the Prime Directive in this way, and my interpretation of it was this. And then Starfleet oh. can either, like, say, like, oh, well, that, that might sense. be a court-martial offense, or maybe I'd be like, don't do that. right. And and if someone's interfered, you can also interfere to try to like limit the amount of interference. So huh. it's interesting. It's, it's, so it's, it's like the Constitution, where it's right. like a living, breathing document. It's a living, that, yeah, the that prime directive is a living document. Yeah. And, yeah, and in a lot of cases, it's whatever the writer of that particular episode right. had it to be. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. so yeah, so there's not really like the hard fast rule of oh. this is the prime directive. And no, I really like that way of looking at it though, Brian. Because I, I was so hung up on the pre warp stuff, and I was like, they clearly don't have warp, or, or right. they clearly do. But yeah, that's that explains why I'd be in violation of the prime directive when they 
involved got themselves involved in that commercial enterprise. I don't mm-hmm. remember what um, episode that was, but remember they couldn't like go save the guy because he was working there or something. Yeah, uh, t- terrible description of an episode. But my point remains: it it now makes that makes sense within the Prime Directive, like why it's not just pre warp. Yeah. Yeah, so this is all part of the stuff that they're under investigation for. Because <laughs> right. they have violated the Prime Directive many times in this show. They yes. did it in the first first episode. Yeah, and I think point. that's what they brought up. They brought up Ito oh, when Ito. Uh, he had to save Wesley's life, and he mm. violated the Prime Directive to do it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he, he they admit, it's like, yeah, I did that. Sorry. And I wrote it in my log as to why. Right. Which now so you're right. makes so much sense. Because yeah. he did like annotate like all of this stuff on, you know, Oh, this is why I had to do that. So, yeah, that makes a lot more sense now. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're back in uh, someone moping in the holodeck. Uh, this time it is Wesley. He's got a day break on a test, and he's in an empty holodeck just contemplating life. And, yeah. Uh, he's not looking forward to the psych part of the exam. Worf comes in, and they talk about like what the psych test entails and apparently they get in your head and find your deepest fear and force you to confront it. Yes. Yeah. I really, I actually really liked that scene. I thought I did too. Michael Dorn did a really great job of, of really giving some depth to Worf. Oh yeah. And you know, Wes was like, but I didn't think anything made you afraid. And he's like, well, only a fool fears nothing. And right. Like, Which is true. Which is true. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing that a uh, little gem of wisdom from Worf that something I have to remind myself uh, of a lot is that he's like, look, if you're worrying about something that you can't change, there's no point in worrying about it because it's just a waste of time and energy. And yeah. then you create another problem to deal with. Yeah. So don't worry about it. You're going to have to take the test. Just take it, dude. So that was pretty good advice. Yeah, it's yeah. great advice. Get a little, you know, some screen time from mm-hmm. Worf, which we have not seen much of in this season. And he didn't say something wrong. Most right. of the time he's saying something and everyone goes, Most, stop doing that, Right, Worf. yeah. He yeah. usually says something real dumb. And yeah, he wasn't just being like, I am a warrior sort right. of thing. It was, yeah. Which kind of pisses me off about that character so far because like, he went to the academy. Yeah. He passed the test. He's clearly not just smart, but like genius level smart because, you know... Spoiler alert, Wes doesn't get in. So, Whoa! yeah. What? <laughs> so, yeah, Worf is a smart guy. Yeah. And they constantly have written him as like this idiot that's only concerned with uh, fighting and violent sex. Like, that's pretty much all that he cares about so far. But yeah. he went to the academy. Yeah. He yeah. knows what he's talking about. He becomes a very fleshed out character. That's yeah. good. And actually, he's got his own episode coming about two or three more, I oh, think. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, on the bridge, Yar uh, finds that there's some unauthorized entry to the shuttle bay. It turns out Jake, the guy from the beginning that was really upset, uh, he stole a shuttle because apparently he Could has access that. to yeah. that. Uh, he just stole a shuttle and he's like, I, you know, I, I failed a test. I'm going to go work in the Merchant Marine now. So he's going to go work on some freighter. Yep. Uh, and this is the only part of the, of the episode that I thought where Remick had a really good point where he's like, Shouldn't you guys have secured your shuttle yes. bay? Yes. Yeah. They're all that telling you like, point. oh, shut up. But he's right. He's yeah. absolutely right. right. They just left it unguarded. Anyone at any time can steal a shuttle. Uh, yeah, which he did. Uh, he stole a shuttle, but the ship is like uh, unbalanced or something. Like the reactor is about to blow. And then he breaks it right away. So he he's savvy it. enough to steal a ship. But he, he broke it pilot. immediately <laughs> and is like going to kill himself. Uh, yeah. So they go through this whole sequence where like Picard guides him 
to uh, point the shuttle towards the planet, which he thinks is going to burn him up. He's like, dude, just do what I say. And then when the speed hits this, uh, restart the engine. And what it does is it bounces him off the atmosphere and he's able to get home safely uh, with just like some minor damage to the shuttle. Right. Remick is impressed at how Picard handled the situation. But, he even got like a little fist pump. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Good job. But seriously, why did that guy, why was he able to go to the shuttle? He's like, I know, Tasha should be in trouble. Or right. Tasha should have been reacting at that moment. I know. Uh, and, and Picard's just like, oh, well, he's just going to get a refresher course in discipline because part of his job on the ship is dealing with shuttles. That was, that's what he was being tested on uh, in the academy. He was like, well, this guy shouldn't be, you shouldn't have people on your ship that like steal shuttles. <laughs> that's messed up. Yeah. He has a he has a point. Yeah. Although the fact that he broke the shuttle immediately, maybe we know why he didn't pass it at the Starfleet <laughs> yeah. Academy entrance yeah, test. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. This guy was a bad candidate. Yeah. So it's starting to make sense. He really should have uh, finished his journey to go work on that freighter. That's what I would have done. <laughs> he's gonna end up there anyway. Oh really? Well, no, I'm just saying <laughs> he's not going to to Starfleet. Oh, he's probably not going to Starfleet. So yeah. he's either got to he's got to make a pretty big decision in his life, and working in the trades isn't a bad gig. Oh hell no. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing just, is that being an officer in this uh, organization seems awful. <laughs> I would not want to do it. Hell no. Put me on a freighter somewhere. Yeah. I, I would g- like it. I think I would. I would dig Jordy's job if I were smart enough. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It just seems too stressful. It is. It's always, yeah, in chaos. Some, some horrible thing is always happening. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of horrible things happening, back on the planet, Wes and uh, Mordok, the guy with the vaping thing, uh, they run into this huge guy. Yeah. Uh, who is pissed at them immediately. Uh, so he's some officer or something, and he basically challenges Wes to a fight because he bumped into him. And Wes sees that his like hands are webbed, and he just immediately gets aggressive, and he's just like, "Nah, dude, I'm gonna fight you." And then the guy's like, "All right, you're cool. We're right. friends now," and walks away. And it turns out it was all a test. Uh, well, technically, he's a Zaldan who are infuriated yes. by by courtesy. Yeah. So uh, Lieutenant Chang, the guy running the test, comes up, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you did very well. How'd you know that?" And it turns out he's of this other alien race that hates courtesy and loves. People just being upfront and aggressive. Yeah. Now they're friends. Yeah. And he knew that because he saw his webbed hands Mm -hmm. past the test. Yeah. Which apparently webbed hands means you're an alien. (laughs) Uh, It's like very small, like variations in what makes people aliens in this, in this show. We all have a common ancestor. That's why we all look so similar. Wait a couple, few seasons and then you'll get into that one too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I got webbed feet. Does that make me an alien? (laughs) Do you really? I do. Yeah. Do you anger or do you hate courtesy? No, not at all. (laughs) Courtesy is great. Maybe you're one of those guys from Star Trek six. Maybe. All right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that it's just like several generations ago, some cousins had sex. That's ah, probably all that happened. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I come from a long line of Central European white trash, so that's probably what happened. Uh, or maybe aliens. Yeah, yeah. or maybe Either aliens. One. I'm going to go with aliens. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Remick is, he's back like grilling the other crew members, uh, Worf and Data. Uh, he's just riding everybody's ass oh, yeah he's a real piece of work this that, guy yeah that was a real fun scene like i thought from a, a cinematography standpoint because i really like they did like these transitions from one interview to another but yeah. it was kind of seamless and it i it kind of seems like all the same interview and the one that's really tough to watch is dr crusher 
because he's like he's being kind of creepy. Uh, he's you think that he's getting at her personal like love feelings towards Picard, right? But he's really is like, how do you feel serving on the ship of the man responsible for your husband's death? And she does not take that question well. No. She's just like, my personal feelings have nothing to do with my work, uh, and this is none of your business. And just like end of discussion. It's pretty cool, actually. Plus, he didn't kill uh, Crusher. Oh, I don't know anything about that. So have we not? Has that not come up? I, I don't think it's come up. Yet? I think it kind of came up like in passing, maybe an encounter at Farpoint. Mm-hmm. But uh, Crusher was on the Stargazer, and I can't remember if it was in the same incident as the Ferengi one or if a previous one, but. Picard had to make some sort of choice, and and, it ended and up he ended up dying, dying as a result. Yeah, yeah. and we it, it, we get to that at the end of this episode too. Right. And this is also where we see Remick uh, questioning Picard over the Prime Directive at Edo. And finally, like Picard's had enough, he goes to Admiral Quinn, who's you know his buddy, and he's like, "Look, dude, you got to tell me what's going on." Quinn can't. He's like, "Look, we need to make this report. Let Remick do his job, uh, please." So, uh, back on the planet, Wesley and the other people, they're taking some tests with, like, a bunch of spheres and a cube. I don't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah. It's just they're doing some science stuff. Yeah, and speed mattered. And speed mattered, yeah. and so he helps out his buddy Mordok. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it looks more to me. It looks like they were doing the Rubik's Cube in the future. The, yeah, but. they were doing future Rubik's Cube. Yeah. And Lieutenant Chang comes in. You know, he's like, oh, good job, Mordok. Mordok's like, look, Wes helped me. You, This doesn't count. He's like, no, I know that Wes helped you. That's fine. Interesting choice, Wes. That's okay. We're going to move on to the next thing. So apparently th- this test is just messing with people's heads. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's more of a judge of character than it is of smarts. Yeah. And uh, back on the ship, like, there's quick cuts from the planet to stuff happening on the ship. It's just basically like one scene down here, one scene up there constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did make the episode feel a little jumbled to me because one of the problems I've noticed with the season is they're always balancing two completely different storylines and they can't wrap them up succinctly. Yeah, I have a big totally. problem with that. Totally. <laughs> and that did happen here. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Remick finishes report. Uh, he's like, look... I tried my best, but I couldn't find any problems here. Everyone seems to really like to work here. And, you know, my tour is up in six months. I want to work here. Good for Picard for not telling him to just, like, get bent immediately. (laughs) Because he's just been nothing but a tool this entire time. Uh, But Picard seems mad at Quinn. He's just like, look, you, you need to tell me. What we're under investigation. He even for. says like this has put such a strain on our friendship, which I thought was a powerful line. It was, yeah, because yeah. he's not an emotional guy. No, and uh, the admiral was like, "Yes, I know, right? Like totally aware of it and believes it's worth it." Yeah, because as it turns out, uh, he thinks that there's some conspiracy to overthrow the Federation, and it's coming from the inside, and they need to really take a you know fine tooth comb over everything, and. He wants to make Picard head of uh, Starfleet Academy now that he knows that his ship is fine. He's like, you know, you're the best candidate for this. We need to have you in control of the future. So he's going to let him mull it over for like a day. It was a really quick decision. Picard set his own timeline on that. Picard's like, I'm going to need to think about it. I'll let you know by tonight. I'll let you know by tonight. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's such a huge decision. Yeah. 
But I guess, you know, he's a single man. He just has to think about it himself. He's got no one to bounce He doesn't have a family of. to yeah. you know, make the decision for. And that, I guess that's one thing I actually don't know about the military, where are you really allowed to, like, turn down no. things like that? My, uh, uh, my wife grew up a Navy brat, and uh, sh- their family just gets moved wherever. Military families have to put up with a lot of bullshit. Um, yeah, you go where they tell you to go. Yeah. She lived on Guam for a long time. Uh, Nebraska and like all these other places and it's just because they can move you around at will mm. and it's wherever you're needed so it's kind of nuts he even gets the chance to turn it down yeah <laughs> frankly well it's the future yeah you know <laughs> you get to make choices because l- later um, Riker has to make a big choice like that as well like that happens uh, several times throughout the series too where I think it's an established rule you can turn down. Oh, okay. Jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I remember seeing some commentary about the the fact that that Riker either not getting promoted to captain or, or turning down captain's jobs would have just ended his career in the Navy, and he would have just oh, been yeah. never considered for anything again. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Which, you can't say no. No. When? Why would you? Now you get that cushy admiral job. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it cushy or <laughs> do you just because apparently Admiral Coin has to worry about like a conspiracy that topples the. Yeah. Federation. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> this is why I wouldn't want to be an officer. Yeah, take I, the job on the freighter, dude. <laughs> well, we can talk about that at the end. Cause. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's finally time for the dreaded psych test on back on the planet. Wes is put in a bare room. Nothing is happening. It, he hears explosions and screams coming from outside. He goes and runs to uh, the environmental corridor or something because uh, no one else is on the base everyone is gone but he hears screaming coming from in there he opens the door and there's like just pandemonium there's some steam pipe that's busted that's like an ice pipe yeah frozen looking stuff yeah it's like some yeah i thought it's like oxygen or something but it was something you're probably right it's probably like liquid oxygen or something and there's a guy trapped under a metal thing and there's another guy who's just like in shock. Who's just too scared. Right. Yeah. So Wes goes and helps a guy trapped under the metal thing. He, you know, pulls him through the, uh, not steam, but the cold shit coming from the pipe. Uh, and the, the guy that's in shock is like not moving. And Wes is like, look, I can only get this one guy. They have 30 seconds before the thing blows up. Yeah. He's not injured. He's, and Wesley was trying to get him to like, help me move this guy out of here. Right. You know, the guy's in shock. He can't do anything. And, and one other thing I thought was kind of interesting was that the guy who was trapped, First told Wesley to like go fix the science stuff that was exploding. Right. And Wesley chose to ignore that to go help him instead, which I thought was a yeah. part of the oh. character move. Oh, interesting. I didn't catch that. Yeah. But that really speaks to the outcome of the test, too. So that yeah. had multiple solutions to it. Yeah. So yeah. it turns out it's a test. Like he pulls oh, the guy sorry. out, <laughs> the door closes, and in Wesley's mind, the guy in there is dead. Yeah. But then, you know, they all leave. Lieutenant Chang comes up and he's like, hey, you know, that was the test. Mm-hmm. Good, you know, good job. He doesn't say that he passed. He said there is no passer. Right. Him. He was just like you made a decision. Yeah. That's that's all that matters is you know you chose to do this, and I think you know that reveals something about you. And Wes connects it to Picard making a choice to save other people's lives, but that killed his own father. So he's coming to terms with some real shit right now. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, it looks like they put Mordok through something similar because right before Wesley started that test, he, Mordok comes out of this room looking at his hands in shock and Mordok, like, are you yeah. okay? He's like, I will be. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what did they do to Mordok? I know. That poor guy. Yeah. 
they put these kids like these are kids basically. Yeah. They put them through some real rough they, stuff. They took away his vape pen. They took away his vape pen. <laughs> no. He he needs that. Yeah, he needs that to live. Uh, so finally, they uh, Chang gets them all back in the room, and Mordok has won. Mordok tries to turn down the academy position because he's like, no, uh, you know, Wes helped me with that one question. But Chang says it wasn't just that that influenced our decision, yeah. and it's not clear what it was that no, made Wes fail. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it might have been that test. He might have been able to save both of them if he would have Who knows? done the science stuff that he's so good at. Who knows? Uh, but back in the Enterprise, Picard is like, he's in this some dress uniform thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake is trying to avoid him. And he finally is just like, all right, hey, man, how are you? You doing okay? He's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Uh, but Picard goes through this speech. He's like, look, you messed up. Young people mess up. But the important thing is that you kept your wits about you. And you need to remember that you're capable of doing that. So this is a really nice little yeah. moment from Picard. He's normally incredibly stern with young people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, showing a little softness. Yeah. And some good advice, too. And he also had a moment of inspiration after giving this advice uh, where he came to a realization of some sort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> At the end of it, they pause on him and they play this music where he's like, this is when you're supposed to know Oh, is this when he decided? It. Yeah, this is when he makes a decision. See, I thought he made a decision. I thought he made the decision before then. I don't think so. Because he was like talking to Riker uh, shortly before this. And he was like, uh, I'm going to go for a walk or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so this is when he made... He his- makes, goes for the walk. He bumps into this kid and he realizes what he's got to do. Oh. Because he talks about saving his life. And because he goes, well, thank you for saving my life. And Picard responds with, like, that's my job. Right. And he tells him that, like, you know, running away solves nothing. Right. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. This is when he finally makes the decision he's going to stay uh, on Starfleet. Or I stay mean, on the Enterprise. Stay on the, yeah, stay on the Enterprise. Yeah, they had sort of the same sort of parallel in the, in the Star Trek movies where they promoted Kirk to, to Admiral, and then they spent the next several movies making him somehow have to go back to the ship because that's just actually where the excitement and the interest is and what... Yeah. Oh, I love that. And they, re- they reward him by demoting him eventually, that right. sort of thing. So. Huh. Yeah. Well, he, that's what I love about Wrath of Khan is that he is a space cowboy out of his element at the beginning of that movie. Mm. And it's so great to see him like realize and really need to be on the bridge and to be a captain. Right. That's by far the best um, Star Trek movie of the originals, um, I yeah. think, by far. But yeah, but I think... You know, Picard has a similar realization like, yeah. oh, I need to be out here rather right. than sitting back on Earth. He, he kind of realizes it's where his skills are. It's where he belongs. And, you know, he tells Quinn that. Quinn's like, well, you know, sorry, but thanks anyway. Uh, thanks for putting up with us. And, you know, Picard lets him know that if anything that they need, uh, you know, just to call on him. And Quinn beams down. And then there's like this last part where he's confiding in Wesley in one of the conference rooms. And he tells Wesley, don't tell anyone this, but I failed the test the first time, too. Yeah. Which blows Wesley's mind. You? Captain Picard? Right, yeah, because he's Captain Picard. Yeah. You know? I mean, you'd think to be part of the public record somewhere. Yeah. That, but <laughs> you'd think you could easily look this up, but I guess the test, the results are confidential. That's true. Because uh, no one else knows this. And, you know, it lets Wes know that even people that are really, really good fail sometimes you know i failed my driver's test the first time i didn't slow down in a school zone oh man yeah that'll do it yep 
that makes you fail. <laughs> well, I'll promise not to tell anyone that ever. Oh yeah, that. it's highly <laughs> secretive. This, this is confidential. Just information. don't put on a podcast or anything. Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, don't like record this uh, uh, so that hundreds of people can listen yeah, to exactly. it. <laughs> Dozens, even. Dozens of hundreds. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we end up in the bridge. Yep. Uh, Wesley's driving again. Yeah, he gets to hit the engage button. Yeah, and uh, away we over. go. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. It was all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a part of the episode where we like to rank what we just saw. Uh, we have a three-level setting. If we truly loved it, it was amazing. It's a show that you need to make sure everybody sees. We set it to kill. If it was okay, comes up in the cube, something mediocre to watch. Uh, we set that to stun. And if you should just skip this episode at all costs, not worth it. We leave it in the holster. So, Brian, what did you think? You know, I actually, I, I, I'm gonna give it a set to kill. I, I like this Whoa. one. Whoa. I mean, it's, it's not the best set to kill. Like, there are no okay. levels to set to kill. We've <laughs> we, been through this. I know. Uh, I, I think, or yeah, because I, I set something to a low set to kill a couple episodes ago, and Pat got on to me because he's like, if you point a gun at something, <laughs> you're gonna want to kill. <laughs> I don't think it's mediocre. That's the thing. Is like, I don't think it's set to stun just because this is, I thought, a, a decent, you know, one of the better first season episodes. And it does set up, you know, a lot of Wesley's later stories, uh, gives them, you know, good character development for, for Worf and, and, um, and uh, the conspiracy aspect of it, which will come back in a few more episodes, uh, that sets up that little mini storyline. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one that you, if you're watching it, you should, you should definitely watch it. Is it a classic? Not like, you know, it wouldn't be my top 10 episodes of all time, sure. but it, I thought it was good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Patrick? Well, uh, you know, as the Academy only accepts one out of every five applicants, <laughs> I, too, think it's very important that we prevent grade inflation, so I'm going to go with set to stun. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I thought it was good. You know, uh, the whole test thing, getting into the people's heads, I enjoyed that aspect. I liked the uh, conspiracy part that, you know, it's a big reveal that that's why they have to have all of this rigorous investigation. My only problem was they were two separate episodes. Yep. They had nothing to do with each other, and they were just kind of welded together. And that's a big problem with this show so far for me. Because it's hard to keep track of. Because keep in mind, I know nothing about Star Trek. Right. Well, I have so many questions that come to mind, and I'm trying to keep these two storylines separate. Mm-hmm. And they don't really wrap up succinctly. But that said, they were good. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that, that A-B like, sort of storytelling method, you'll see it. That's how Star Trek pretty much always does it. Oh, okay. Um, so you will see that. Where a lot of the times, they'll do, they'll do a good job of kind of intertwining them. There are going to be some times where the A story and the B story are more or less disconnected. Yeah. Hmm. And there's even a few times where the B story is actually more interesting than the A story. Yeah. But Yeah, no, that's very true. You know, guys, I don't know if I'm just like in a sleepy mood or something, but... This is like, if, if there's scales to it, it's a like middle to low set to stun for me. And uh, I, yeah. yeah, well, you know, uh, we spend a lot of time dealing with Re- Wesley Crusher and uh, Starfleet. And I just, this episode, it's such a throwaway because he fails the test. But now we've got just a whole nother year of him having oh, well, to we do have this to, kind we have of to see stuff this again. again. Oh, yeah. It comes oh, that up. sucks. And so, I don't know. I thought, I thought all of the classroom stuff, I'm just bored by I don't know. I think it's kind of predictable and 
I don't, we see it again. This is like, I'm totally, I know I'm totally being jaded because I've seen other episodes. But for me, I guess to your point, it not being a classic, I'm, it's like, yeah, it's not good enough. It, nothing about it stands out and is super unique to me that's interesting. The conspiracy stuff is cool, but they do a better job of that in two episodes, you know? So, yeah, set to stun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, it's not as bad as the battle, so I'm not going to leave it in the holster. Um, <laughs> and hey, you guys had me sit through Code of Honor, so. Yeah, oh, which yeah. Is horrible. Yeah, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, well, I mean, this one did have a coherent story and everything. Yeah. I just, I, it I had know. people like. It, it, what I did like about it, though, is that it introduced new characters that I actually kind of cared about. Mordok seemed like a cool guy. I wanted yeah. him to succeed. He comes back. That's that was, good. Yeah. I was glad he got, you know, on. Onto the onto the academy, I felt bad for the Jake kid. Uh, See that Jake whole thing was so that that, it that was. just seemed like a kind of throwaway plot because I mean yeah. the whole reason for that was for Picard to impress Remick. to impress, but it, it it is like he did it, like that is insane. He like he committed yeah. Grand Theft Auto basically, yeah, exactly <laughs> Grand Theft Shuttle, right? Grand Theft <laughs> Shuttle and desertion. <laughs> like yeah, I, I agreed. Well. Brian, is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here today? Uh, well, for the next couple Fridays, uh, uh, I'm part of the Unwritten Works of William Shakespeare out at Westside Improv in, oh, cool. in Wheaton. Awesome. Although, actually, won't be there next Friday because I'll be at the Improv Retreat. So if anyone's there, say hi. But uh, Friday after that, uh, cool little improv theater in downtown Wheaton in the suburbs. So awesome. check it out. That's great. Patrick, what about you? Uh, listen to this show. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, thank you, all of you that have been leaving reviews and interacting with us on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate that. Yeah. Also, listen to Politicked Off. It is me and Zach Mass, other Peaches and Hot Sauce podcast, where we talk about an important issue of the week and have an improviser on to let things unravel. Yep, Frankie Trump supporter coming soon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Coming I soon. I forgot about that. Yeah, we're you guys. You guys haven't like booked me yet. I keep pitching this idea. At you. No, we're gonna do it at some point. <laughs> we're just trying to space out all of our Trump episodes. Man. We got a lot of could material I, there. We don't want to. Could I come on as a Bernie Borg? Uh, oh! <laughs> oh my God, Brian! This is be a dope episode. Uh, a Bernie. <laughs> got to do a crossover. Yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Pat Likes to Tweet because Facebook is for noobs. I have been loving all the interaction we're getting. It's it's been a blast. It's fun to talk to you guys. I know I kind of I brought up the whole getting called out for spoilers thing. I appreciate it though. It is a good note. It's fair. I don't want to ruin the experience for anybody. So please talk to me there. Uh, if you have uh, positive things to say, you can leave reviews. Those are great, uh, as Patrick was saying, and they help more people find the show. Uh, listen to making new friends. I have some really interesting New York-based guests coming on soon. Um, uh, I, I, I'll just tease it with, if you want to be able to get into some high-profile film fests, you might want to listen to an upcoming Making New Friends episode. So, yeah. You said it. no spoilers. And you just spoiled the Making New Friends episode. I didn't spoil it. I didn't say who it was <laughs> well, or what now festival. I'm, okay, or, fine. You, it's a teaser. <laughs> I guess I don't know the difference between teasing and spoiling. <laughs> I but don't mind. I think it's because time, space, thought, they're, they're all, all one thing. thing. They're all so one it's thing. confusing. <laughs> all right. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. 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 H